It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 It is currently Thursday, October 5th at 9.27, a.m. Bright and early. I'm your host, John Sock. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the best in the business, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing today, Bo? You know who it is. It's a, another good day over here. You know what I'm saying? I always trying to keep it positive, keep it moving, coming off a nice semifinals dub in a, the league last night. So getting ready for the finals next week. Everything's looking good over here. Nah, can't wait to can't <laughs> wait to join you guys. Very excited to be getting home this weekend. Uh, mm. Celebrate my birthday. I miss you boys so much. Very excited to see you all again. Today's mm-hmm. episode, we're going to be doing our Eastern Conference standings predictions, and it's going to run really long. That's why we didn't fart around at the start. Um, <laughs> we're going to go team by team, tier by or t- team by tier by tier, team by team. Give our ranges, what we think the, the team can end at. Uh, we're doing Eastern Conference mm-hmm. this week, and then we're going to do Western Conference either next week or on Friday because I'm not sure I'm ready to talk about football after this <laughs> past weekend. Um, what a silly hey, I mean, sport. I'll- I'll I'll take the the ownership of you know I, I thought that that wouldn't be that exciting of a game over there but uh, it turned out to be a, a real nail biter. <laughs> but we, we can you, definitely Henry. keep it on the Eastern Conference. I love Conference. you, Derek Henry. Let's start with the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Um, yeah, so we're gonna start with our top tier of teams in the East, and the first tier for me is uh, for us for both of us is just the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> They're quite literally in a tier of their own, probably in the entire league. They have more talent than every other team in the league, and we know that they fit well together, which Mm -hmm. puts them basically at the top of everything. Every other team either has questions with fit or talent. They have neither. Their only question is health, and that's Mm -hmm. a lot harder to predict. So, yeah. They get to be our de facto title favorites, as is the same for, I'm going to say, 95% of the media, of the basketball media on the planet. Uh, and probably like a hundred percent of the sports books. <laughs> they're my pick for the best team in the East. They're my pick for best team in the league. They're the title favorites. Whatever you want to say, it's them. The their their trio is just so good. Kyrie, Harden, Kevin Durant. They set the world mm-hmm. on fire with just two of them. And yeah. then they added James Harden. And then oh, and sometimes we have any mixture of the two, and they're still the best team in the league. And we saw that mm-hmm. in the playoffs where with um, Kyrie subbing in and Harden in and Harden playing on one leg and still almost beating the, the eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks. This Brooklyn Nets squad was just insanity. Their only fear is health. Mm-hmm. Kyrie played 54 games last season. James Harden played 44 and Kevin Durant played 35. To add to it, Kyrie's got this whole vaccine hullabaloo that's leaming, looming over this team. Uh, mm-hmm. Harden's injury was a hamstring injury. It's been bugging. It was bugging him earlier in the season. I think it was bugging him over the off season before it took him out of the playoffs. And hamstrings are hamstrings can wind hamstring strains can wind up being lingering injuries that hold you out very often. Mm-hmm. And uh, just ask uh, Chris Paul. And then Kevin Durant had a shorter off season after going to the Olympics and absolutely carrying it there. <laughs> to add to it, most of their uh, Free agency additions, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and James Johnson aren't exactly spring chicken. (laughs) Still, though, I I don't see their health being worse than it was last year, where they won 48 games, which would have been 54 and a half games won in an 82-game season. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much to be said about this Brooklyn Nets team at this point that you haven't either already thought of or heard from literally every single person who talks about basketball. Like, this is one of the best big threes that the league has ever seen. If they are able to stay even two of them on the court for near a full season, if not all three, they will be the best team in the league because they just have the incredible talent. They added in, like you mentioned, they got the vets in there. They also brought in a bunch of new young guys that I know we're fans of in the rookies. Mm. So I think this team is poised to go. They got all the mismatch pieces to, to plug and play and make insane, just different weird lineups that can always work. And then Steve Nash getting a second year as a head coach now, a year under his belt and not a COVID year. So he's going to be back to full stadiums. Like, We've seen in the NFL already what having a full arena can do. NBA fans, obviously, there's not that many people in the building, but it's all, all indoor, indoor domes. The place is going to always be rocking. Home fans are going to be going crazy. So I think this is a team in Brooklyn that's just poised to go. And, yeah, as long as they stay healthy or even a little bit healthy, they're going to be a monster every single night to deal with. Yeah, and, I mean, like, I've got them as as my first seed, my first tier, but I'm going to be – I'm just going to be honest and say I wouldn't be shocked if they wind up a little lower in the playoff seating. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. shocked if they're a two seed, a three seed, even a four or five seed. I would be shocked to see them lower than that five seed. Yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked if they do a lot of loafing. I wouldn't be shocked if they do an incredible amount of load management. Um, also, this like, I don't want, I don't know how to talk about this Kyrie situation. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Pretty much everyone in the media has just been, you know, mentioning it and saying i don't know how to talk about this <laughs> or they've been mm-hmm. like he needs to get vaccinated it's like yes we know he needs to get vaccinated but we talk- I-, I don't know how to talk about like is he going to play this season yeah i i imagine he will there andrew wiggins is already vaccinated they're gonna dock his pay significantly if he doesn't play you miss 191st of your salary for every game you don't play as an unvaccinated mm-hmm. player due to covid restrictions so for Kyrie, that would be 44 91sts of his uh, salary, which I did not do the math on how much money that is, but it's uh, probably over $15 million. It's at least over 10. Half. <laughs> Just a, a hair under half of, under half of his salary, plus other games he'll miss. Mm-hmm. It, essentially, there's, there's I mean, their, their only options are to either trade him or he's going to get vaccinated. And it sounds like they're pretty confident that he'll get vaccinated at some point. Yeah, we'll wait and see I mean, if it becomes a real issue. We'll talk about it during the season and how it impacts them. But mm-hmm. also, if you trade yeah. Kyrie, you're going to be getting a king's ransom. So it's not exactly uh, it's not exactly the worst situation to be in. Yeah, I mean, the the Kyrie trade, I don't know. There, there's the talks that with the Ben Simmons potentially offered from Philly and KD didn't want the move to go through. I think that's going to be part of it with Kyrie is that he is so close with Kevin Durant that I don't think there'll be anything that they'll end up doing. And by the season start, obviously, I, I do think he'll be vaccinated because mm-hmm. missing your entire season's home games is not really an option for a team usually. And uh, all, I'll, all I'll say on it is I did enjoy what Shaq had to say about it, where it's just like at a certain point, once you sign the contract and sign up to be a part of this team, there are certain things that are required of you. And yes, this isn't one that is typically required of you, but given the situation in the world that we live in, if you want to continue making the exuberant amount of money that you do and play the game that you love for a living, you sometimes have to take things on the chin that you might not want to do, you know, like not everybody wants to wear a suit every day to the NBA, but David Stern made a big point of it. And that's just how you go about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that yes, you, you are entitled to your own, 
free will and individuality. But once you sign that dotted line, part of that literally goes away in the contract. So yeah, there's there's certain aspects that need to be taken into account for the team too. Like they don't expect to have Kyrie Irving not there for half the games. Like that's not what they signed him to almost $35 million a year for. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And uh, that's actually going to be a really interesting thing to look for in the next CBA, how they handle If the owners decided this is worth making us think about just that, mm-hmm. like, if there is, you know, uh, I don't know what, what, what will qualify. I don't know what the wording will be, but how they're yeah. going to ensure that we don't have a situation like this again, where, you know, okay, players need to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Or if they're just going to say, all right, no, like this will never happen again. We're not going to put it in. It's going to be a, an interesting um, discussion yeah. to have. Maybe they'll write it in like, oh, and you can't, you know, if the other, if, if you need to travel to Canada and Canada requires vaccines, you need to be vaccinated. That might be the, the, the loophole to do it, you know, being like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, you got games in Canada. You got to respect Canada, Canada's rules too, and then make Canada be the bad guy. You know, like Canada doesn't let travelers come in with no vaccine, no vaccine shot. They're yeah. allowing players to come in for business with negative COVID tests. But um, I'm pretty sure, sure there was like a special exception too. made for the for the NBA on that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, no, it could end up being written in as a clause, but all that's in the, the way future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's look down to the next year. And um, it's uh, a little bit of a bigger tier than one team. Just just a little bit. Um <laughs> Just slightly. I have four teams in this tier, and I consider them my have... very likely to make mm-hmm. the playoff teams. They're uh, the teams that I would. Um, they're they're my teams that I would consider like one domino short of being able to make it to the playoffs. Um, and so for me, mm-hmm. okay. Wait, so for me, I, I, these are my te- they're one domino from making like the 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 finals. They're probably conference finals aspiring teams. Mm-hmm. Um. I've got I I'm gonna go first with uh this is this is my team that I, it's my hot take I'm gonna start with the hot take that's what I'm feeling yeah because I think this is this is a team that I don't have in this tier with you yeah I don't think you have this tier with me I don't think a lot of teams have a lot of people have this guy this team in the tier with me and this is a team that I very quickly could drop out for me like first week of the season honestly could drop down for me it's gonna mm-hmm. be that fast for me to be able to be like this is or this isn't mm-hmm. I. I have the Boston Celtics and I know it's crazy to hear, you know, Lakers fan and all that. I think they have a huge chance, not just to, to be a really good regular season team. I think they can win the championship this year. I think they Mm. have all the pieces in place to win the championship, to win the East, even if stuff is working for the nets. I think that they have a, great roster built to slow built to match up with the nets and it, it it's just going to come down for me i mean i love everything that brad stevens accomplished this offseason for me it's just if Ime udoka is a really good coach and can get the rotations to make sense i think this team can win mm-hmm. the title the last for their first preseason game they ran out of starting lineup of marcus smart jalen brown jason tatum Juancho hernan gomez and robert williams and Okay. spoilers that's not what i wanted them to run a starting lineup out as and it's a big team it's a big team it's closer okay my fear was that they were going to run out of starting lineup with al horford and robert williams together and i'll tell you right now if that is the starting lineup i'm going to be so out on these boston celtics it will be funny 
I will be so mm-hmm. down on them. It's not going to be a discussion. I just you. I I don't think Al Horford is a power forward anymore. I think that <laughs> ship has that ship has sailed so far away by now. We watched him in we watched him in Philly just be absolute garbage for one season. Yeah. After being amazing in Boston for what three four seasons, going back mm-hmm. at three four seasons in Boston, being amazing as a center, going to Philly sucking as a power forward going to OKC and being amazing as a center again, being too good to play for this yeah. tanking team. But hear me out really quick. Dual forward, Jason Tatum. Yeah. Hybrid guard, Jalen Brown. Am I too high on mm-hmm. Jalen Brown with that? Maybe. I just, maybe I'm not maybe. sure about the, the guard aspect as much, but yeah, I might be. I mean, the, yeah, the playmaking, I think the playmaking needs to take a step up, but I, I think it was taking a step up last season Mm-hmm. He did have that wrist injury all season, but we'll we'll see. All for the off, he was rehabbing during the off season, but we'll see. He looked really good in the runs I was seeing. We'll we'll have to see what he looks like at the start of the season. And then they got yeah. Robert Time Lord Williams and Al Horford as hybrid posts. And I'm not in. Look, I'm everyone. Look, I'm not. I'm not one of those people that's insane on on the Time Lord. Thinks he's the best player in the NBA or whatever. I, I think he's shown flashes of what he can be. Uh, mm-hmm. His rim protecting is obvious. He he can he can finish, and he's not like a bad playmaker. But I, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say he's like some game changing player, like some some pundits have, have said. Uh, but Al Horford was just amazing last season, and he was amazing in Boston. I think if he can keep that form, or if Robert Williams can take the next jump, then you got a real elite hybrid post right there next to Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown, who I think can hit the hybrid guard level, and maybe he doesn't hit that, but even just a dual forward and elite hybrid post is more than mm-hmm. enough to make the NBA Finals. Yeah. I, I mean, I said it. I said it. Like this is a team that I think really needs to. I, I think it's going to come down to how Ime Udoka runs it. Like, mm-hmm. Al Horford cannot play power forward. Yeah, <laughs> just no. starting with that. Um, for me, I'd be running out a lineup of Smart, Brown, Neesmith. Tatum, Robert Williams, or Hal Horford, whoever is better. Mm. And then you got Dennis Schroeder on your bench. You've got Wancho, who might be good. R- Richardson, who might be good. I like Ennis Cantor a lot as a bench big. Peyton Pritchard's another guy who I think can take a big jump. They have so many guys that I think can be really, really useful on that bench and add some versatility. I, I really think that if Ime Udoka is like an elite level, a good to elite level head coach, I think this team can win the championship. Yeah, I, I will say I did have this team just one tier below this, but partially because Ime Udoka is a first-year head coach, and I do want to see what he does. Like Just like you said, in the first week, this team could be out. Like In the first week, this team could definitely move up for me. Mm-hmm. I agree that they have a lot of pieces and a lot of weapons. I'm looking specifically at those two main dudes, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who I think are still both poised to take big steps next season. If you talk about Jason Tatum as a guy who can add more to his game, continue to evolve on both sides of the floor and Jalen Brown as well, who's developing into one of the best two-way players in the NBA right now. If, if the playmaking is truly there, then yeah, I think this team has a very high shot, but that's always been kind of the knock on this Celtic squad. And that's the thing that I don't think they did a fantastic job of addressing in this offseason is that they haven't really had a good playmaker since like 
Gordon Hayward. And Gordon Hayward wasn't supposed to be a good playmaker for them as much as he just happened to make the right plays because he's a very fundamentally smart basketball player. So I think that's where my suspicions and hesitations lie with the Celtics team. It's a little bit more of like, yes, they have a lot of talent and a lot of pieces that I do think fit well together. But it's like, is Dennis Schroeder and Peyton Pritchard going to be your lead guards creating the offense? Mm-hmm. Are we going to leave that to Marcus Smart? Or is it really just going to end up being the Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown show all season long? I mean, one thing that I really liked about watching the Olympics was how far Tatum has come as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to be up to Yime Udoka to bring that out of him, to force him to do more playmaking. And I think that that would be Can how you unlock this team. That's also on Team USA. That's true. <laughs> it's also a team USA being level super level. elite and you know being like just playmaking. You know. But I, I do think, I don't know, I, I think that there is a level of Tatum's playmaking that he has not always tapped into with this Celtics squad. And I think that if Udoka can bring that out, he can use it. I think Brown has grew, grew a lot as a playmaker last season and can continue mm-hmm. to do that. I think there's a the the, the 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 ceiling is the sky for this team, but there's just there yeah. is a lot of concerns. Ime Udoka mm-hmm. is is one that we mentioned, but there is a lot more than even just that. Even if Udoka is a great coach, there's a lot of stuff to pause, stuff to bring pause. I keep mentioning Brown's development as a playmaker. He he spent the entire offseason rehabbing from a broken wrist. Yeah. Yes, he looked great in this preseason game yesterday. When you don't have a healthy offseason, it's hard to grow your game. Quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Robert Williams has played 32, 29, and 52 games, respectively, in his three seasons. Never averaging more than 19 minutes a game. Mm. Al Al Horford is getting up there in age. Schroeder struggled immensely coming off the bench last season, or with the idea of coming off the bench last season. There's a lot of places on this team where there could be tension. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is a way that the, that the ceiling can fall out on this team, but I also don't see how they're not a playoff team. I really consider them a playoff lock one to six. Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely in my top six. Mm-hmm. Don't get that twisted. I just do think that they could end up closer to the to not necessarily having the home court advantage mm-hmm. in the first few rounds than than the others. Although I do I do personally really like the idea of Aaron Neesmith in that starting lineup. Mm -hmm. I think it probably might end up being Peyton Pritchard and Marcus Smart as a backcourt and then Brown and Tatum on the wings. Mm -hmm. But I I think that Neesmith definitely has earned spots. And there's flashes last year where he shows to be a very promising 3 and D wing. He's got incredible length and he knocks down shots. He seems to always be very cool, calm, and collected on the floor, which is something you love to see out of a young player because not a lot of guys can do that. So definitely there'll be a, a good amount of battle to go into that starting lineup. And I think that can also breed not necessarily not tension, but more just healthy competition within the team of like, okay, like Jalen and Jason Marcus, that's our starting three guys. And then Al and Robert Williams. And even I guess Ennis Cater or Bruno Fernando can, can get minutes, but it's going to be Robert Williams. But then like you guess you can have Peyton Pritchard or Dennis Schroeder, but you could also have Josh Richardson or Aaron Neesmith. Like it depends how you may wants to run it and it depends on who they're playing that night. So I do think that that can be a source of motivation for this team. Cause I think always being able to compete for minutes at every level is important. And in the NBA, you don't necessarily see it as much. Most teams kind of have a set starting five or these are the guys you want to go with. Mm-hmm. So that could be a very positive team thing for the Celtics team. Who's still very, very young outside of Al Horford. Like everyone here is going to be, really excited to battle and going at each other in practice. And that could lead to them really improving throughout the season and developing as a unit. 
Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. As long as they're not starting Al Horford and Robert Williams together, I don't care who the other two, who the other, who the last starter is. That's just my. I just I'm tired of I'm not watching Al Horford play power forward again. That is not something I'm gonna support again. Um, All right, he's not a power forward. He isn't. He is not. Let's move on to the next team. And mm-hmm. Chaz, you want you want to pick a team? You want to go first? Yeah, I'll take I'll take my surprise. Well, I guess they're not that much of a surprise team, but a team that not many people might have up here. And I'll take a second to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. I like that. After they went on their their big run last year, and they come back with basically almost an identical roster, except a couple of new young guys and TLC in there. So I think that this squad with DeLon right off the bench too now, they're just like, like the Celtics, very young team, have plenty of room to grow. And I think Trey Young and John Collins are going to take another step this year as a duo. Both of them getting paid now. They're going to go out there and really appreciate. I think they're guys that don't just get their money and sit down and enjoy it. They're dudes who seem to always want to be in the gym and continuing to improve working for the next contract. So I think this Atlanta Hawks team, the sky's the limit. I think I pretty much put them at the my one seed, I think, for the end of the season. I think that this team can really go and they just have so much depth and talent throughout their 15 that – Every single time that anyone, any five on this floor for the Hawks team is going to cause teams problems. Yeah, they're they're just. I mean, they're the Hawks were were a tough team for me to um to rank because mm-hmm. I mean I'm someone who likes to learn from history. Yeah, and the short off seasons typically don't go well for people. I was, you know, but also like, the, okay. They had a surprise run to the conference finals, and people are now trying to say it was like just matchups, which is mm-hmm. just garbage because they really almost beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And if a ref didn't pull a Zaza Pachulia on Trey Young, they might have. Speaking yeah. of which, Trey Young was pulled out of last night's game. Mm. And I think it was for an ankle ankle thing. There's a little bit of worry there, but like, so you got that as a red flag. You got uh, the short off season as a red flag, but they also had really bad health last year already. Mm-hmm. So on like the one hand, like you kind of hope that evens out, and also like John, that means like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish didn't really have a short off season because they didn't really um, <laughs> play last season. <laughs> and then Okongu's going to be out for a bit. They got a good backup for him in Gorgie Jang, so they can take it, their time working him back in. Mm-hmm. I like DeLon Wright as a backup guard who can also play the two if they really need him. Just I think that they have the necess, they have the reason, the they have enough talent that they can rest guys. Well enough that the short offseason should not put too many extra miles on these guys. Yes, the miles will catch mm-hmm. up, but you don't need to be playing these guys 36 minutes a night from game one. Yeah, And also in terms of actual play, they, they were on a 55-win pace under Nate McMillan, if I'm remembering right. Mm. It was under an easier stretch of schedule, but there's, there's there's a lot of good on this team. There's a lot of good on this team. So much talent. I think Trey Young and John Collins can both take a step forward this season. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, there is no. pause. There, There is pause with this team, but I think that they're a top mm-hmm. four seed. Oh, for sure. And I, I do agree that I think a, a full season under Nate McMillan is going to be interesting to see because there is a certain aspect of like teams had seen almost 30, 30 plus games of Lloyd Pierce and kind of knew what the Atlanta Hawks were doing. And then Nate McMillan comes in and changes a lot of their defensive systems and changes a little bit of what they do on offense and the rotations. And all of a sudden they start becoming a very successful ball club. And it's just now that teams have a full off season to not only watch all the Nate McMillan tape from last year and all the tape from when he was a head coach in Indiana and all the things like that, but also just 
this team stayed very similar. There is a chance that they have a, a situation where they're not as dominant as they were last year, but not only Trey Young and John Collins, but like Wait. you mentioned DeAndre Hunter, Wait. Cam Reddish. Before we move on, I kind of want to stay on that Nate McMillan point. Sorry about that. So, sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off, but it. I really want to stay on that because I, I think that I think that this um, one one thing that I don't think people talked about enough is that there was no practices this season. Mm-hmm. This past season, there was about no practices. I think there was like thirteen. I think the Lakers practiced eleven times. I think yeah. I read that there was eleven practices for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think what happened with with the fact that there was so little practices, I think that really benefited teams that relied on a system that had a lot of continuity. Like you look at the Utah Jazz, for example. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of benefit to a team like the Utah Jazz that, oh, we know everyone. They're all the same guys back. We're going to change the system up a little bit to shoot more threes. And it's going to be way more. And we're also going to have like this set system. Everyone thinks funneling to Rudy Gobert. Teams aren't going to have time to game plan how to beat them off the floor because they're not going to have time to practice for it, all that. So I think it benefited teams like that a lot. And I think it also benefited mm-hmm. teams that had, let's say, unusually good players. Like, players that are good in a re- in a way that you're not used to. Like, Kevin Durant is an elite, absolutely elite isolation scorer and off-ball shooter. I think teams were, teams are used to, you know, used to, mm-hmm. quotation marks, elite iso players, uh, elite off-ball stuff. But... No one's used to someone like Nikola Jokic showing up at seven feet tall, playing around on the outside, pulling up from three, whipping passes around. People aren't used mm. to Luka Doncic showing up and doing his madness at his at his, at his size. I, I Steph Curry, the same deal, pulling up from everywhere on the floor. I think these players that had strain had more unique games were torching in terms of the actual style of play, not in terms of like the, just their like. In terms mm-hmm. of players who had more unique styles of play benefited a lot. I think one yeah. thing with this Hawks team is yes, Trey Young is one of a kind, but his style of play it's it's reminiscent of you know James Harden, Damian Lillard, th- those type of players who can pull up from everywhere, shoot. I mean, I think that Young's a much better playmaker. Mm. So I actually think this team is poised to do better with more practices. Yeah. I think that they're going to have more time to learn Nate McMillan's system, more time to work on his defense on the defensive stuff that he wants to put in, more time to work on cohesion as a unit. Having an off season going in without having to learn a new system on the fly, I think it could be huge for this team. Yeah, no, I definitely think that there's steps that can be taken for this Hawks team. And the last thing before we move on from them was just mm-hmm. I've already heard some some rumblings, some rumors that very unlikely out of DC, but. The, a potential Trey Young, Bradley Beal backcourt and and how you might feel about what that could look like because I think that could be obviously the defense is a little lackluster but <laughs> the the buckets that they could be going to get after is just absolutely incredible. And, uh... <laughs> so we're just not playing. That's what they anymore. have DeAndre Hunter for and Clint Capella. You know, what I'm saying you, you just you guys can play defense. You guys play, de- <laughs> you guys play defense. Let, let, let these guys take all the shots. I think that'd be insanity. Uh, I would love it. I would love it because I'm I'm just a believer in. I am a believer. At the end of the day, if you can upgrade your talent significantly, you upgrade your talent significantly. Mm-hmm. And Bradley Beal is a significant talent upgrade over everyone in this roster except for Trey Young. At which point, I think he is still. A marge, a, a, a a talent upgrade, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're on they the same play level. Such They're different on the same games, level. Yeah. They're on the same level, actually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. It's splitting hairs between those two, in my opinion. Both are really good. We'll find out when we get to our player tier rankings later. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. We're, we'll talk about that a lot more later. But yeah, that would be super exciting. Uh, next team. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go for a team that I don't think there'll be too much contention between us on. Uh, they'll definitely be in this tier. Let's go Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say, what's, what seed do you have the Atlanta Hawks? I have them at the one seed. I have them. I think that this. I have them as my mm-hmm. three. I think that they're just really going to go. Young teams like to get after it during the regular season. It's a whole squad that's going to run up and down. Hopefully doesn't need to take too much rest. So mm-hmm. I think that they'll end up just being maybe healthier. And if not healthier, just a deeper young squad than most teams at the top of the Eastern Conference. Because a lot of these teams are a little bit riddled with vets at this point. Yeah. And you know, team riddled with vets. Milwaukee Bucks, I think everyone's over 30. Except for their, except for like <laughs> except for Giannis, Giannis and Grayson Allen. Um, <laughs> No, look, I, I get that they're good and, and they figured it out and they, they've exercised their demons and all that. And da, 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 da. Can we just, can we just all like everyone's trying to tell me that the Milwaukee Bucks should be the title favorites again, should be the one seed again, the two seed, the whatever. Can we just take a second and remember what we saw this past year from the four teams that had deep playoff runs? Mm-hmm. Let, let's recap. Two of the four were playing teams. One of those <laughs> non-playing teams got swept in round one and the other one got swept in round two. All four mm. suffered ma- major injuries. None of the four finished with the top two seed. The team of the four that did the best was the Nuggets, who added a core rotation player who had a very long offseason and managed to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. This is why I think the Bucks should trade Brooke Lopez and picks for Christian Wood, but that's a different thing. <laughs> the Bucks had a short offseason, and then Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton both went to the Olympics, having an even shorter offseason. Mm-hmm. This team isn't just poised for regression. They're poised for a rough season. And I don't think yeah. they should feel bad about it. That's just the reality of the short off season. Now, obviously, they're still really good. I'm not sitting here saying they aren't. They're still in my playoff lock tier. They're still in my, mm-hmm. if a thing or two goes right, they could be in the, t- in, the com- in the championship game. They could win the finals again. They are in that tier. But can we pump the brakes a little bit, everybody, and just remember what we've seen? Mm-hmm. I do think that that's an important point that at least I think we've been hammering and I, I haven't actually heard it that much from a lot of the, the mo- other sources, but yeah, like the reality of a shortened off season for a lot of these dudes and going back into an 82 game season is either there could be some health issues, which we obviously hope that there aren't any, but if there aren't any health issues, it's probably because there's some load management going on. And for this Milwaukee Bucks team, like, they do have some guys who can come off the bench and do things for them. But like, as soon as Drew Holiday isn't playing, this team significantly goes down in their ability to play defense and create things offensively because the backup guard at this point is George Hill. And I, George Hill can do a job for you. He could not be your starting point guard in the 2021-2022 NBA season. He's just not at that point in his career anymore. And or else you're looking at like Grayson Allen or Dante DiVincenzo running the one for you. I think that there's a lot of questions still about filling out this Milwaukee Bucks roster. We talked about it a little while back. Like why, why do you bring in Rodney Hood when you have Jordan Mora? Like you just essentially only have one roster spot left now to try to bring in another backup. And it's going to be an interesting unit for them to try to figure out. But obviously they're still very talented. Their big three is still very good but it's just how much are they actually going to be able to play all together this year? And if they're not playing all together, how are they going to do as just duos? Cause they are a team that we talked about as kind of having a fake big three, which is doesn't do justice that much to Middleton and holiday. But as much as you have to say, like 
if it's just those two out there without Giannis, what does this Bucks team look like? You know, like mm-hmm. if Giannis is taking a night off and it's not against a bottom seven team in the league, the Bucks are going to struggle. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a season that I think is definitely going to be a little more up and down in Milwaukee. And what they should be really excited about is, well, I guess they kind of already had full stadiums because they really don't care over there in Wisconsin. Frisco, <laughs> baby. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, I really like the Grayson Allen pickup. Obviously, you can't have him walk in and be the one. But in terms of, oh, if Milton's the one missing time, I think Grayson Allen can step in and do a, an, a 75% job of that. Mm-hmm. But this is also why I'm like big... I just think this team is primed for a mid-season trade. Sorry about that. I think this team is primed for a mid-season trade. Uh, I w- not even necessarily Christian Wood, but he would be my number one target. I think they have a lot of like good mid-sized contracts, too, that they can trade. They could cobble mm-hmm. together Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, um, or Brooke Lopez all have bigger contracts that can be paired or just sent as is. Mm. I... um. I do think they could use another guy, but yeah. I, I don't. One thing that I'm not that that really worries me is they really needed a power wing on this team, a power wing mm-hmm. being someone who's four can bigger four can guard five sometimes can guard threes a little bit, but just a big bruiser mm-hmm. wing like PJ Tucker, and they brought yeah. in Semi Ojale. <laughs> I like Semi Ojale, but he might Very wind up order. way too important for this team in terms of being able to get Giannis to the five. And that is something that is worth worrying about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have this team as the four seed right now, but I could honestly see them going anywhere from the three seed to the eighth seed. Yeah, I don't see I think... them getting to the number two. I think that there will be at least one or two. I think some combination of the Nets, the Hawks, the Celtics, maybe the Heat, or a su- surprise team, maybe the Bulls. Talk about them a little later. Could mm-hmm. jump up and take that two seed. I don't think that the Bucks are going to be able to hold it together for that long. I if if Middleton and Holiday are both able to play, let's say let's say closer to, I would expect them both to play closer to sixty games or to combine for closer to one hundred and twenty games than yeah. for them both to play closer to seventy two games or seventy games. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I have Milwaukee Bucks at four. <clears throat> and I have them below the three teams that we talked about so far. So same same thing over here. And I it has to be said because I want to remain a man of my word, and this is something that I, I think is important to mention is, yes, the Milwaukee Bucks won championship. Let's not forget Coach Bud. Coach Bud's head has been on the block for like three years at this point. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there's a certain amount of pause that needs to go into, yes, you want a chip, but there's – in my mind, your job is still not safe. Oh, and there's things that no. can happen throughout the season that could literally get him fired before the trade. Deadline. I, I, I will, I will, I will hard, I will hard disagree with you on that. After uh, Rick Carlisle's what, ten years, ten years without winning a playoff series, I, I, if you're in, a- I just wanted to make sure that I got it out there because I still think that Coach Bud can be replaced because there's still things on that team that need to be used better, and if he's still not doing them next season. They should look for someone who will. <laughs> I'm not gonna disagree with that. I mean, I, I liked a lot what he did after they went down in that Brooklyn series in terms of switching, playing Giannis more off ball, having Giannis do more of that that screen and dive stuff, the screen and playmake stuff, the short roll stuff, which is where he is absolutely elite. 
Yeah. I, I, I like that. That was really good in my opinion. It took them a little long Whoa. to get there. It didn't take them through that through that Hawks series as well as it should have. There was still a lot of questions on this team. I, But I'm just... If, if Rick Carlisle could go 10 years without winning a playoff series and still be called a Hall of Fame coach and one of the best coaches in the league, I, I think Bud's job is safe. Yeah, I don't necessarily think he will get fired. I just think that as someone who's been call, not necessarily calling for his job, but saying that he needs to do better... I wanted to continue to say, like, still please do better. Yeah, <laughs> I hope he does. Also, spicy take, I don't have them getting out of the second round. Um, that's my cap on them. Unless they unless they have wildly good health, which was would not be a good prediction based on history. Yeah. Next mm-hmm. team, um, my last team in this uh in this in this tier. Me too. I got the Miami Heat. Absolutely. Awesome. Look at us with the same <laughs> look at us with the same tiers. They were disappointing last season. They struggled all season. They got swept in the round one. Uh, this season, I have a lot of real concerns with this team for the regular season, which is why they're coming in as my five seed. Mm-hmm. I think their depth is more than a real question mark. I, th- I think it's. It, I think it's. I think their depth is a real problem. Yeah. Let, let's assume their starting five is Lowry, Robinson, Butler, PJ, and Bam, because that's their only starting five with players that were actually you know useful players last season. <laughs> you know, then you got a bench of Tyler Harrow and Dwayne Dedmond, who, what, played half a season for the for the Heat, a good half season for the Heat. Mm-hmm. And then you got whatever's left in the tank for Markeith Morris, Victor Oladipo, if he can get his his uh, legs together. Um, Wants to be one of the greatest comeback players of all time. Yeah, and then I, I love you, Victor <laughs> Oladipo. I really hope you can be. One of my favorite guys in the league. Um, And then, like, yeah. what, hoping that, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and Omar Yurtsevin and Casey Okpala can can put it together and contribute. I mm. I think that's um what's the word? High hopes. In yeah. terms of four guys who well, Okpala was in the league last year but didn't do very much. Vincent Struess and Yurtsevin were not in the league last year, and they all look like they're gonna have to contribute because quite frankly, mm-hmm. there there isn't anybody else. Um <laughs> Is there anyone like it's it? The only other player on roster that I haven't named is Udonis Haslam, the goat, the goat, <laughs> Miami legend, Miami legend. I'm not going to take that away from him, but that I I don't. This team needs more depth. Quite frankly, I don't mm-hmm. like that they don't have a real backup guard unless you're really that high on Gabe Vincent. But I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't not. I'm not not high on Gabe Vincent. I'm just not high on having your backup guard being, you know, a rookie if you're a title contending mm. team. Especially I mean, not he a had high some, level rookie. Some games in the league last year. That's true. He's def- he's definitely his second year at this point. I think he's been in the G League for a little oh, while, yeah. but first guy on his first real contract. How about that? I, absolutely this Miami Heat team is going to struggle with their depth and I think they will struggle in the regular season as well. I did have them penciled in as my 5 seed too, so look at that. We're just going back and forth at this mm. point. I, but uh, I mean you mentioned they're starting five, mm-hmm. very elite group. I think Kyle Lowry is going to bring a lot to this team that we were they were missing last year, and he's someone that is not necessarily been an underrated signing in this offseason, but I feel like hasn't been mentioned a lot in the level of like he can really take a team to another level, I, and that's not something that Kyle Lowry gets enough credit for mm-hmm. usually. Well, I was just going to say just the upgrade from Kyle Lowry to Gor- from Goran Dragic to Kyle Lowry or Kendrick Nunn to Kyle Lowry is massive it's it's absolutely massive Huge. i don't know why everyone's underrating it like 
This is a team that was the five seed with Goran Dragic starting. Goran Dragic can't guard anything. Yeah. Kyle Lowry is going to walk in and make it so you can, so you can. Here's the thing that, here is why I am really excited for this Miami Heat team and why I think that they can go really far. Mm-hmm. Is that by having Lowry out, you can play Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson together now. Yeah. In, Especially with Jimmy and Bam. Exactly. Because like- <laughs> you can, you, Robinson tries, Hero really struggles, but you got Lowry who can dog. Butler who can dog, Bam who can dog. There are going to be matchups where you cannot play that lineup, but there will be some where yeah. you can. And that is just a ridiculous amount of talent to have on the floor at one time. Mm-hmm. It's a name. It, it, it having Lowry enables those kinds of lineups, makes it easier to play Robinson, easier to play Hero, versus having to play them with Drogic, where it's like okay, and Drogic can't guard anything. Mm-hmm. And you talk about also like preparing for your conference and getting ready for the playoffs. Like the Kyle Lowry addition to me is a clear shot a clear sign of stepping up to the table with the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks of like, okay, like I see you, Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I see you, Drew Holiday. Now we have Kyle because mm-hmm. Kyle can take care of that. Like he's not going to be better than Kyrie or Drew Holiday for seven out of seven games in a series, but there'll be games where Kyle Lowry will be the better point guard in the game. Mm-hmm. And there'll be games where he can like completely not shut down because Kyrie Irving doesn't really get shut down, but he can completely slow down and change what a team wants to do mm-hmm. through his defensive abilities and his ability to set the table on offense. So I think that his addition to this team with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo is going to be one of the crazier defensive big threes and an exciting team to watch. And yes, that their bench is very odd, but I think what I've seen at least out of the, the G league team and what the Miami heat culture seems to be all about, I expect, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess to come in again this season and play impactful roles on this squad. And I mean, Gabe Vincent was with the Olympics. He was with Nigeria for a little while. So he's gotten a little more playing time, a shortened off season. Yes. But a younger guy. Yeah. And more I, I don't worry. I don't worry about it as play. much if you didn't have the, um, if you didn't go yeah. that far in the playoffs, I'm not worried about it for, for Gabe Vincent. And then Markeith Morris, I mean, no, he was one of your favorite pieces on the Lakers. And I think he can end up stepping in for PJ Tucker here and there and providing them a little bit more floor spacing or reliable floor spacing next to Jimmy Butler. And it has to be said, either Jimmy Butler needs to find his jumper again, or Jimmy Butler might need to transition to the power forward soon. Yeah, that's a real that's a real thing that they that needs to happen uh in terms of like, <laughs> even just just a set catch and shoot three that he can sit there. Go to go go to the Rondo school for shooting threes, please, please. Yeah. Rachel Rondo's about to become a shooting coach. Just stop jumping, do the Rondo, stay completely on the yeah. ground, just put it up. Um, I, I I do like a lot what they can do. One, one thing that I want to mention mm-hmm. is that they have they have enough of their MLE, and they have their full biannual exception. They've got space under their hard caps to use both of them and wave someone on a guaranteed contract if need be. This team right. I don't think that this is the same team we're going to be seeing at the end of the season. Yeah, I think they're going to be the they they are going to be the team that's going to be poaching buyout guys in my opinion. In terms of they are, yeah, they're high. Money. They're definitely we can't give you money. Mm-hmm. Yes, the money will get prorated, but you're still going to be getting more on the the money on their exceptions will get shrunk. It will be prorated mm-hmm. because of the games played and all that stuff. But it's still going to be more than the vet minimum that you could sign with any other team. 
Yeah. And buyout season, it's going to be the winter across the league. Why would you not want to come to Miami and compete for potentially a championship? Oh yeah. Let me go make, let me go make whatever's left of this biannual exception. <laughs> Try to compete for a championship, have a good time in the sun, Instagram girls mm-hmm. everywhere. It's going to be great. Um, I, uh, yeah, I got them as the uh, – I have them as my five seed. I, I've got them as a range of three to six. Uh, I don't think this mm. team is going to be a playing team unless there's some real bad health. Uh, I think they have the potential to go all the way to the finals, especially if Oladipo is back at at least 80%. I mean, that's something that's yeah, worth talking about is that if Oladipo can come back at mostly healthy or having adjusted his game, mm-hmm. uh, this team has a real chance to be insanely dangerous. Yeah, he could potentially uh... – Obviously, we haven't seen him in a little while now, but depending on his mobility, if he really starts working on more of his guard skills and his playmaking ability, he could be an off-the-bench one for this team. Like, yes, the explosiveness might not still be there the way that he likes to attack the rim and get after it as a two-guard usually, but he's always been a little undersized. And So if he can really get his handle down pat and work with Kyle Lowry on how to set the table and run an offense, he could be a big piece for them off the bench as a guard playmaker. Mm -hmm. Like. It really is just going to be what it looks like, like when he comes back because he's he, him at his peak was so good. It's going to be it's going to be. Uh, I mean, he would have he would have knocked LeBron out of the playoffs if there wasn't a uh, missed goaltending call, and then LeBron went to the finals <laughs> that year. It was 20, 2018, the year where LeBron year had no LeBron team around him. To the finals. <laughs> All right, this is uh. Let's do my last. Let's do our last playoff teams. Uh, this is mm-hmm. a tier of my own tier tier a tier of their own. Uh, from for me. I have the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> yeah. I look, I Joel Embiid has played less than 70% of his games in the last two seasons. I, I do think Andre Drummond, I, I don't think Andre Drummond is going to be enough to hold down the fort. Quite honestly. <laughs> I, I know you're, you were a little higher on Charles on Charles Bassey during their, uh, the, the pre the, the off season, um, the off season mm-hmm. deep dives. I think that they built this team counting on Ben Simmons to be back or counting on getting a return for Ben Simmons. And neither of those things have happened. Now they look very possible either. Nope. Nope. Um, there's all that turmoil with that. That is, you know, a little on the team. Joel and bead made some comments that were pretty salty about how they let Jimmy yeah. go to fit around Ben Simmons. When, uh, if I remember right, I thought it was, they let Jimmy go. Cause he cr- clashed with brute with the coach. If I'm remembering right, that's what, I don't know. There was a lot of, there was that that whole Jimmy thing was so confusing, Jimmy and Philly, but we love yeah. him in Miami. So I, they got Josh Richardson, who was supposed at. to be really good. Didn't work mm-hmm. out for everybody, but it happens. This team does just does not have the personnel for me without Simmons for me to believe that they can do any winning without Embiid. They just they they mm-hmm. seriously lack creation, and they don't have Ben Simmons' insane fast breaks anymore to make up for it. They already struggled without Embiid last year. And now you're just going to be relying on Tobias Harris to be your ISO scoring threat for the entire game with Andre Drummond not covering for him for him or anyone else on defense. I I, I do think that the change, you know, you can argue that Andre Drummond is a better player than Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard is still a much better defender than Andre Drummond is, even at this point in Dwight mm-hmm. Howard's career at, what, 36 years old? Yeah, like 35, 36. He still is a much better defender than Andre Drummond has probably ever been. And that can't be understated with how Tobias Harris is an average at best defender. Seth Curry has brings a lot of energy. You're basic, basically your only really good defender with Embiid off the floor is Matisse Thybul. 
having having Ben just provided so much extra defense. Oh, you also have Danny Green. Forgot to mention. Rod and George's Niang. He's. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, no. Neither. You got Jaden Springer. <laughs> He's got potential. Um, look, there's a lot of a lot of guys on this team that I'm excited to see, but this team is going to be incredibly Embiid centric, and I don't think that that's a way to win games because he's going to miss a lot of games. Maybe this is the year that he's healthy, but I don't want to be. I'm not going to gamble on that. I'll wait. I, I I'm hoping that they can still get something for Ben Simmons. That saga is still playing out. I'm wondering if that's going to have an effect on the rest of the locker room. I I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of a lot of pitfalls with this team, so I kind of have them as um. I, I have them as my sixth seed. I don't think that they can get. I don't think they'll get home court advantage. I wouldn't be shocked if they're a playing team. I, I would mm-hmm. be shocked to see them worse than like the eighth or ninth seed. But they're, they're they're a team that in my my opinion is looking at not home court in the playoffs to somewhere in the in the play-ins. Really, if MB really misses a lot of games, maybe maybe they're out of the maybe they're like in the lower end of the play-in. But yeah, I I do agree that this team really is going to live and die with Joel this year, and with his availability is going to be a huge factor for them at all points throughout the season. What I, I will say, whenever he's on the floor. I think that they probably are one of the best teams in the league just because yep. of what Joel Embiid can do. Cause he is such a dominant force down low that he's going to attract so much work and give teams so much work that it opens it up for the rest of the floor. And like I said, in the last one, when we talked about the Sixers, I think that they at least did somewhat of a better job in preparing for Joel Embiid to be their main guy this year. In the fact that I think Georges Niang helps him and the fact that I think, Andre Drummond gives him a little break off the bench. Yes, he's don't do nearly what Joel can do, and yes, his defense isn't there, but it's just that physicality. Yeah. I think he's, I think but he's yeah, great this, as a backup big. I want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, they are going to struggle. I'm excited to see what Tobias Harris can do. Mm. I do think this will be a year where he really needs to show himself. Like, if Tobias Harris isn't in All Star conversations, this Philadelphia 76ers team will probably be a playing team. But if he's at least on the borderline, on the cusp of making an all-star game this year, then I, I do think I have them penciled as my sixth seed. I think they can make the playoffs and be a lock. They just with this whole Ben Simmons situation, the roster's already full with 15 guys. It's gonna be super hard to trade for more dudes with the Ben Simmons package. So I do think it's gonna be something that's gonna end up happening probably closer to the offseason next year. And that just leaves the 76ers team with a gaping hole for this entire season that is not a great time for them because Joel Embiid is kind of entering in his prime right now. And as many years as you have of that, you don't want to take any of those for granted with the big fellas. So mm-hmm. to not be able to put a championship team around him in one of the seasons where he projects to be at the, one of the peak of his powers is a uh, definitely something that Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers can't be too thrilled about. Yeah. I, I definitely, that's something that, that that's really interesting with the whole Embiid conversation is how long is his prime? At what point is it going to be too late for his body? And how do you successfully build around that? It's a real, yeah. real tough discussion. It's a real tough. Um, it's really tough. It's really not an easy uh, discussion to have, or it's not, a, it, there's no easy answer. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's not, t- that's not easy. So really quick. I uh, yeah. think we're pretty close to having the same thing right here. I've got, I have Brooklyn 1, Boston 2, Atlanta 3, Milwaukee 4, Miami 5, Philadelphia 6. And Chaz, wait, let me guess. You had the same thing, but you had Atlanta first, Brooklyn 2, Boston 3, right? Yes. Nailed it. A lot of, a lot of Brooklyn, Boston, Milwaukee. 
Uh, oh, I put Philly at five, Miami at six. Okay. Just because I think Embiid might play a little bit more this season because he has to. Hmm. And like we mentioned with the Miami Heat and just their lack of a bench and a lot of vets, I think that they'll also be taking games off here and there. Mm-hmm. But like they'll be very much around the same wins. I both have them between like 45 and 60 wins essentially. Yeah, and I guess one thing that I should, probably should have mentioned with the Embiid missing time thing is that he got COVID protocols, I think once or twice. I don't remember. But he missed a mm-hmm. lot of games for COVID protocols, if I remember. I think he missed two weeks where they played yeah. like eight games or something ridiculous like that. Doesn't Short help your numbers. Season. Does not help yeah. your numbers. That will not be happening this season, I don't think, because I'm pretty sure he's vaccinated. I would hope so. Yeah, no one knows anymore. Um, now we're at that seven seed and we're into the play-in tournament. Um, Ooh. Oof, I, I remember. So where, where do you want to start with this? How about you get, you get first pick? All right, I'll... I'll address the team that you mentioned earlier because I think it they had a very interesting offseason and they're a team that I think will be around here. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have them penciled in as my seven, but just because I think they're in this range, I want to talk about them in the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. I think Chicago, the the UC over there, United Center is going to be rocking. And obviously they brought in Lonzo and Damar this offseason and they're excited for a big run. I'm a little bit worried about Kobe White not being there for the first like month, maybe two months of the season. I think that provides them a lot of scoring off the bench that they might not have without him. But mm-hmm. I think that their starting five with Patrick Williams in there is going to be one of the better starting fives in the Eastern Conference. And Zach Levine can can really take a step this year. Something I heard talked about recently is the fact that like some of these better players in the NBA who get a lot of buckets but play on terrible teams, once you see them on a good team, you kind of see an evolution of their defense and their desire to do the other things. Mm-hmm. Like Devin Booker was never considered a very good defender, but we saw him in the playoffs and in the finals, like really at least trying to get after it defensively. Mm-hmm. I think we could see that a little bit more from Zach Levine this year because he's on a team that can finally compete. And so to have him next to Lonzo Ball, that's a lot of length at the guards. And yes, he's not a great defender, but he has all the tools to try to become a better defender. So I think if he could take a little step on that side of the ball, then this team has a real shot to to be a playing team and make some real noise. I mean, I mean, I've always liked Levine's effort on defense. He always looks like he, he he just always looks a little slow on that side in terms of like catching what's going on, which is weird because he's such a great offensive player. Um, hot take: maybe not having Kobe White could help this team mm. out because because they don't have that scoring off the bench. I really think that the best way that this team could function is by having DeRozan be their bench scorer, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you can bring him off the bench with his paycheck, but yeah. having him as your off-the-bench scorer, I think, is the best role for someone like, for, for DeMar DeRozan, so that you have more Levine and Vucevic time at the starting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... This team has so much talent and just so much scoring talent, but I don't know how they all fit together. That's my fear. Yeah. Um... Billy Donovan's supposed to be a really good defensive coach. This 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 team finished 11th in defensive rating last season, despite having Vucevic as their starting center for quite a little while. Yeah, I I don't I think they should be able to get enough buckets to compete, and that might be enough for the regular season. Mm-hmm. I have this team as my seventh seed right now, but honestly, I could see them getting all the way. I could see them on this hot take. I could see them all the way at the one seed, but I also <laughs> could see them all the way at like the 13th seed. Yeah, they're they're a team that's gonna have a very up and down season. Mm-hmm. I think the the Derek Jones Jr. addition, if Demar Derozan ends up going to the bench, is gonna be super valuable for them next to Vucevic too, 
because he can do a lot of things to make up for Vooch mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah, this is a team with a lot of hit and miss guys. But I like the way that a lot of them fit together and the way that they'll they'll at least be able to complement one another and how they go about playing the game of basketball, I hope. Because it's just what Lonzo and Levine can do as a backcourt, I think works really nicely together. And then DeMar can facilitate for those two and for Vucevic. Mm-hmm. It's how many buckets is he going to be getting? Is he finally going to be starting to shoot open threes? Because we saw it a little bit with San Antonio. But again, it's one of those things where you just hope eventually he starts to do it, but you never really know. Yeah. But even then, Troy Brown Jr. off the bench, I think could be a nice piece for them. And Ayo Desunmu is a guard that I think is one of the more NBA-ready guards out of college, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like everyone talking about Davion Mitchell and the clamps that he brings, and I do agree that Davion Mitchell looks like he is going to be that dude on the defensive side of the ball. But Ayo is a like six four, long wingspan, and just gets after every single guard that he has to deal with. So yes, the adjustment from Illinois to the NBA is going to be different, but. I think that he can potentially provide them some good defense off the bench behind Caruso and Lonzo and give them a little bit of a spark plug to to keep their team in games a little more often. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I mean, I'm also excited to see Patrick Williams' development. I think that that is going to be one mm-hmm. of the bigger swing factors for this team in terms of yeah. is he – like he – look, he was, he was fine as a rookie. Showed some flashes, but he also was a rookie. He was not – incredible and like the youngest in his class i think yeah. too like i think he would have still i think he was still one of the youngest guys in this class like i think he's still like the fourth youngest player in the league or something right ridiculous like that if i'm remembering right mm. um i mean josh primo is like a year and a half younger than him but josh primo is insane <laughs> josh primo is like 12 <laughs> yeah shout out you play shout out you play the guys in the league <laughs> best 12 year old in the league put up 17 points in uh <laughs> in the preseason put up more points than his shout age out. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the next team. Yeah, all I was going to say, last oh. thing for the Bulls, shout out Vucevic, love the tweet about IG being down and just hoping it was down forever. Cole, Anthony's, was cool. Cole, Anthony's, Cole Anthony's reply was the funniest thing on the planet. I literally yelled out loud. It was so funny. Did you see that? No, I didn't even see what Cole said. I, I couldn't send it to you on Instagram because Instagram was down. But Cole, Cole was like, <laughs> Cole was like, nah, man, I can't deal with this being down anymore. I follow too many, I follow too many meme pages for that ish to be down forever. <laughs> Dude, I almost cried. Yeah. I was like, oh, Cole Anthony, you're one of us. <laughs> if they're anime memes, you're one of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, how about we do um, the New York Knicks next in terms of this, this tier? A, a, oh. a nice classic East Coast rivalry right there. Yeah. Bulls and Knicks. Look, I, I like the Knicks. They were the four seed last season, and this is the world ablaze with their insane defense. They are one of those mm-hmm. teams that I talked about earlier where it's like hey if they run the same system all year and it's different and it's really well done they're gonna kill people that's what Mm -hmm. they did they had this insane defensive system and it killed people people they also people also shot an incredibly low percentage from three against them which you cannot count on happening again there's the most you it's statistically proven that the hardest shot to guard is the hardest it's really hard to impact three-point shooting percentage one of those Mm -hmm. things that's proven yeah they brought most of the band back together. They added Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker to replace uh, to replace Reggie Bullock. Uh, <laughs> they got some real creation. I think that's just a strict upgrade. I don't know when everyone got really high on Reggie Bullock. I'm like, this dude, has, like, <laughs> this is literally the best season of his career. Why are we acting like he's a career 3 and D lockdown player? And I love Reggie Bullock. I loved him as a Laker. I thought he was great pickup for the Knicks. Why are mm-hmm. we acting like this wasn't an outlier season for him? Whatever. A lot of room for optimism on this roster. 
a lot of great players up and down the roster, a lot of depth, but also like most of their best players last season had career years. Like yeah. Julius Randle hit a whole new level as a player, which mm-hmm. was awesome to watch. It was great. Yep. Is that going to be sustainable? We'll have to see. Uh, we've never seen him play defense before, and he played defense last year. That's big. He shot, what, 40% from three? I don't have the number in front of me. Mm-hmm. wonder if that's sustainable. Nerlens Noel, who for years I've been saying can be that guy, can be that guy that locks up on defense, finishes easy stuff on offense, and is just a huge, great hybrid post-affecting effect- flair for you. He was the X factor of their playoff run, of their run to the playoffs. We went through Mm. it on their deep dive. When he started starting in place of Mitchell Robinson, they started winning a ton more games. Uh, Reggie Bullock had the best season of his career. RJ Barrett improved a bunch. Uh, Derek Rose had a really, really good season. Obviously not his career season. (laughs) Never going to forget that MVP. But he had a really Mm. good season for what he could be. Um, Yeah, I mean, in terms of this next team, uh, Tom Thibodeau running it back with the squad. So you would kind of expect uh, a lot of these guys to not necessarily stay near the same numbers but again get a lot of the looks and a lot of the same playing time they were getting before Mm -hmm. although the addition of Kemba Walker will will definitely change up how the rotations are run I think one of the the bigger pieces to focus on for them at the beginning of the season at least is going to be Nerland's Noel Mm -hmm. like the boy right here because Mitchell Robinson's still going to be out for at least a month or so with the foot injury it looks like maybe longer and to have Nerland's Noel as their starting five is going to show how much that he could do, I think. And it's really going to put them in a position where, okay, like the Knicks t- could really get on a run to start the season. And if they do, does Mitchell Robinson just lose his spot when he comes back? Because like we've mentioned time and time again, like Nerland's Noel is a starting capable center in this league, and especially on a Knicks one. team that needs someone like Nerland's Noel. And so he could really take these minutes away from Mitrov, which will be a, an interesting battle once he's back. But yeah, I mean, this Knicks team is is very well poised to go. I think they have a good squad, but it is going to be interesting to see the, how long it takes for people to figure out a Tom Thibodeau team because there's not much that Tibbs does differently usually. And when he brought back a lot of these same guys, like, okay, like Kemba and Evan Fournier are, are two new additions that can create and can score for you, yes. But on the defensive side of the ball is where they really hung their hat last year. And if both of those guys are starting, is your defense nearly as good as it was before? And there's a, a lot of things that even with their, their bench depth, like take a look at their, their bigger wings, you kind of have to deal with got Obi Toppin who you hope to take a big jump. But after that, you're really just got like Kevin Knox. And what, what are we really doing here at the power forward position? So mm-hmm. I, I agree. They have a lot of great guard play. And like smaller wing play, but I think in terms of big minutes, like Julius Randle's going to be up at like 41 minutes a game again this year. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason he shouldn't be because there's almost honestly no one to take those minutes from him right now. I mean, are we going to see RJ Barrett playing the four at this point? Because quite frankly, I want to see Obi <laughs> Toppin at the five more than anything. If we're going to be honest, yeah, like... if we're going to be honest with Mitch Robinson missing the start of the season, the, the fear for Mitch Robinson should be. Tom Thibodeau is going to try something interesting and play Obi Toppin at the five. And Obi Toppin is going to be amazing at the five because that's what he was at Dayton. He was a five. I don't know yeah. why he's a four now. And then he's amazing mm-hmm. at it because he's just more athletic, bigger, stronger than everybody and way faster at the five. I, I don't know. I think that yeah. there is a route to Robinson losing all his minutes and then just not having any power forwards. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting <laughs> thing for the, 
thing for the Knicks. Mm -hmm. I have them as my nine seed, honestly, just because I mm -hmm. think that there's a lot of room for regression. I don't think they have a lot of, you know, the, the guard depth is good, but they're not good defenders. Mm -hmm. Fournier, Ro Fournier, Rose, Barks is all right. Walker, not exactly lockdown guys. Quickly's an all right defender. I I yeah. like the continuity factor. Mm -hmm. I I just don't know. Um, I don't know how this team. Um, I I don't think this team is like, going to have as have as big a uh, big a showing as last year. I don't think the defense is going to be as good i think it will still be good but i think mm -hmm. teams are gonna have more time to practice and be more ready for it this season i think that will hurt this team a lot i do think this team will still be good but even if they're just the same level of team as last year the rest of the east has improved so much that i don't mm -hmm. know that it'll be enough yeah i really don't think the knicks shocked the world this year the way they did last season you mentioned iq i think he's gonna have a good jump but there's so many guards to play there. Like even their young guys in McBride and Quinn Grimes, who I like both of them, but like, like where are you finding minutes for these guys off the bench? And for Thibodeau, it's not traditionally getting the rookies minutes. So it is going to be a, a little bit of a interesting way, but I do have them ended up at my seven seed right now. Yeah. As the New York Knicks that got them at seven bulls at eight. So I had them at seven for a bit. Tangible. And I just kind of, I just kind of was like, I don't think so. I didn't. That's fair. I, I think the Bulls just have a lot more talent. And can I go to my eight and you're going to be surprised? Well, you're not yeah, going to be surprised, it. but they're, they're supposed to be a surprise, but you're not going to be surprised by them. Mm. My surprise team is the Toronto Raptors. They were going to be a playing team last year, but they tanked at the end of last season. I, mm -hmm. Look, I, at first I had them at the 12 seed. And then I started writing and I was like, considering the factors of last season and all that. And I was like, I think they're going to be way better this year. Yeah. I think they're just going to be way better. Like, I mean, you could tell mm -hmm. me that they're literally anything and I'll believe them because when they're the one seed, you can tell when they're the 15 seed and I'll be like, all right. Yeah. Makes sense. But when they were healthy last year, they were one of the best teams in the league. They're beating anybody. albeit they had like four games where everyone was healthy. Kyle Lowry struggled immensely last season. So even though he's gone, it'll be less noticeable than you, than it should be. I'm a huge Scotty Barnes fan. I think he can immediately contribute, at least on the defense and on fast breaks. And he looked amazing last night in summer league, by the way, or in preseason, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, he had a crazy dunk on Danny Green. I think he could just be an immediate contributor. Gary, Gary Trent caught some flack from Nurse for his defense, but his offensive upside is through the roof. OG has improved every single season he's been in the league and is going to have another opportunity to do so and have somewhere to step up to, to being that number one guy or number two guy with Siakam missing mm -hmm. the start of the season. The biggest thing for me, though, that makes me think that this Toronto team will do better is just the change in home court advantage. Yeah. They're going from playing in Tampa, Florida to Toronto. Tampa, where mm -hmm. they were booed as a home team, they, they weren't necessarily with their families. They weren't, they were trying to find somewhere to live. A lot of them were living, a lot of them lived in hotels all season. Yeah. Or, or, or condo, rented a condo for like six months. The, mm -hmm. All kinds of off-court off -court strangeness relating to being in these strange lands of of West West Coast Florida. Um, mm -hmm. But in Toronto, everyone knows where they're living. Or yeah. they're new guys, they're moving in, they're experiencing it every year. But they, they know where they're going to be. This is where they're going to be. There's no weirdness. They, they've had time to find somewhere to move to in Toronto. It's not like two weeks before the season. Oh, uh, we're going to Tampa now. Yeah. That, which was what they were dealing with in Tampa. Mm -hmm. they're going to back yeah. to Toronto. They got their home fans. 
They got that home energy. And even bigger than that, I imagine there's going to be a lot of issues for players getting into Canada. It's something that I don't think has been talked about enough. It sounds like there's a, a process, but look, there's going to be vaccine issues, visa issues, testing issues, travel advisories, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be tough for players to get into Toronto just in mm-hmm. terms of crossing the border. And I imagine yeah. it'll be a lot easier for the Raptors players as they will be doing it so often. They are so beloved in Canada. The border agents know them like the back of their hand. They're like, ah, oh, it's OG. Great to see you. Scotty's going to be there yelling when he sees his favorite border guard. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. For, that, for them, coming home is going to be fun. For these, also, they're all vaccinated, which will make it a lot easier. But for the... um, mm-hmm. 29 other teams in the league. It's going to be tough. <laughs> for the Raptors, mm-hmm. they're going from playing 72 away games to probably one of the biggest home court advantage in the league without even having fans, without even factoring in fans. I think that they have one of the biggest home court advantages in the league this year, and they will have mm-hmm. fans. Yeah. How many? We don't know yet, but... 10,000 right now, but that should be increasing, I hope, with the vaccine passport stuff. It's just... That's a whole other discussion. I have them mm-hmm. as my eight seed, but as I said before, I, I would not be surprised to see them at any seed in the league. And I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I believe it. There's a route to this team being literally any seed in the league, and I would just be like, all right, yeah, I bet. Bet, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, this Raptors team, I've slowly grown a little bit more fond of the squad that they have built. And yes, it is to do with a little bit of their roster. A lot of it to me has to do with their coach, Nick Nurse. Mm -hmm. And I think that he, along with the pieces that he has now, has always been lauded for his defensive abilities and his defensive schemes. And you look at the guys that they have the ability to put on the floor and it's like, okay, they might not be able to score with the best of them at all times, but this is a Raptors team that can legitimately hold you to like 70, 80 points with like five minutes left in the game. Cause there are so many different dudes on this team that can play great defense. Like uh, every single one of their bigs is a good defender. Mm-hmm. Not one that I would look at and be like, yeah, he's a negative defender. Like every single one that can go out there is going to give you valuable minutes. Fred Van Vliet, I mean, he was called the Steph Curry stopper after the finals last time, you know? So like he can move with guards and he, yes, he's going to be tasked with a lot more on the offensive side. So you don't want him playing as hard defense. You hope he could take a little bit of a break because he is going to need to carry the load a little bit more for them on offense, I think. But even Malachi Flynn is a good athletic defender. And another part is the fact that they give have given so many guys like another opportunity at the league or a shot in the league that haven't really gotten one yet. And yes, they could end up just getting cut or released or by the end of the season, we're not going to bring you back. But I think given a bunch of dudes chances to, to fight for minutes and fight for an NBA career is a great opportunity to get the best out of them. At least one or two of them, you would hope. And then, having Gary Trent Jr. finally be kind of a primary scorer can potentially unlock what he can do. I know you're super high on Gary Trent this year. So uh, this is definitely a team that I think will, will do better than some people think. I have a pencil in as my ninth seed. I think they will be a play in team this year and they could definitely go higher than that. I just do think that there are some, some serious questions when it comes to actually creating offense and creating scoring for them. It's, Especially if Fred Van Vliet misses any kind of time this year. Yeah, I'm pretty high on OG. I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty high on OG and Gary Trent as creators. And I'm also just so high on this defense. They just have such crazy defensive personnel that they can roll out. I'm really excited to see just like like, they are are a team that's like, okay, go get a stop. And they will. Between Nick Nurse's schemes and the personnel that's been brought in, this team Mm -hmm. can go get a stop. 
And I think that's going to help them a lot in clutch situations, which should correspond to a couple extra wins. Yeah. And yeah, we... the last thing I want to do on this, this Raptors mm-hmm. team before we move on, this whole Goran Dragic situation of just not wanting to be in Toronto, he's still on the team. He's still on the team. And he looks like in, he's like, having fun. media day, he's, he's in photos. He's boys he's with playing, Scotty Barnes. So, <laughs> so like, he's on the squad at I this guess. point. And honestly, not a bad decision. No. Like, he's a good playmaker for you. Can at least try to create and run some decent pick and rolls. Like, yeah. he'll be able to get the ball to the right places and hit a few open shots as long as he's not, like, too, too slow at this point. And hey, maybe they just end up moving him halfway through the season anyway. He's he's someone who I'm I'm kind of not shocked that they kept him, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to be good because otherwise their only like playmaker was Malachi Flynn. The only true yeah. playmaker was Malachi Flynn, and that's uh a little more scary. Hard, a lot to put on the shoulders of a sophomore. <laughs> yeah, the the new Red Mamba. Um, next team. I don't know why everyone fell off the Hornets. They were a top four seed for a while last season. We're, we're going to need a blitz through the rest of these, by the way. We're at like a... Yeah, let's do it. They were a top four seed for a while last season before everyone got injured. And yes, I think that losing Graham and Monk will set, set them back a little bit. But they're a team that I think is primed to do well. Bridges shot 40% from three last season, including 42.7 on over six attempts a game over his last 24 games, which is about a third mm-hmm. of the season. Uber is going to be great insurance for Hayward. He's going to do well with Lamelo's pace pushing. I think that he'll be able to do a lot more on the defensive end in the more in the freer system down in Charlotte. Uh, Mason Plumlee and Kai Jones cannot be worse than Cody Zeller and Bismarck Biombo. I don't know why that became a take. Um, <laughs> just did, did you see Mason Plumlee's gorgeous pass to Miles Bridges yesterday? No, I haven't seen any of the preseason yet, unfortunately. Oh, it was great. He like drove under the net, went under the rim, threw it over his own shoulder with his left hand, and then um, Bridges caught it yeah. right under the net, jumped up and threw down a monster slam. Beautiful play. The fact that that Kai Jones and Mason Plumlee no, only make yeah. like $11 million combined is automatically better than Cody Seller and Bismack Biombo, let alone their, the fact that they're both also better basketball players. Yeah. I don't know where people get so high on, <laughs> on Cody Seller from. Um, someone was telling me that he was, so I, I was listening to some podcasts that said he was better. I'm like, I just don't think though. I just don't think that. I don't think Cody Zeller is better than Mason Plumlee. Um, I just disagree. <laughs> look, and more than anything, LaMelo was just really, really good last season. He's likely to continue improving. His injury was like a freak injury. I think he broke, broke his wrist on a fall or something. Yeah. I imagine you can count on better health when it's a freak injury. I've got them as mm-hmm. the 10 seed, but I, I could see them getting back to that four seed like last season or also as low as 13. Like Hayward's always an injury risk. Rozier had a career year. There's a lot of room for pause. And I like kind of betting on them as the 10 seed mm. to make the play-in. And I really could see them go higher. I could see them win the play-in games. They're, they, they could be a really good team. I wouldn't be shocked. This is funny because we literally didn't talk about this at all before our rankings or any point about these teams. Pretty much other than these off-season deep dives, I also have the Hornets penciled in at 10. Awesome. Like, awesome. I just think that I do think that this is a team that is poised to take another step, but they do have a lot of young guys that are going to need to continue to improve or start to improve. James Booknight is going to be an exciting piece for them. They have a lot of young bigs that they're going to need to figure out that rotation. But yeah, there's a lot of things I think this Hornets team will do well, will be entertaining. But on the defensive side of the ball is where I see a lot of problems for them and where they might lose a few more games. So that's why I had them a little bit lower. But I do think that they're pretty much a lock for the play-in. Like, I would be very surprised to see them outside of the play-in, barring any serious injuries to, like, a top three player on their team. Yeah. um, I'm with you. You want to go to uh, – let's go to the next team. Let's go to Indiana. Mm-hmm. 
So Karis Levert and TJ Warren will both miss the start of next season. Uh, Turner's coming into the season injured. Brogdon always winds up injured. I do think Rick Carlisle's offensive creativity is going to be fun on a squad like this with someone like Sabonis. But Sabonis and Miles Turner have had a negative net rating whenever they're on the court together. Yes. Also, my issues since the old Depot All-NBA season, I feel like there's always been some problem on this team. They're mm-hmm. always mad at somebody. Someone's always causing an issue. The, the, look, Bjorkren's tenure was tumultuous after he was a highly, highly respected assistant. And then Nate McMillan was fired and then immediately led a team team to the conference finals. Yeah. I, th- there's something with this team that – with the team culture that's a little scary – that's uh, scaring me off, I'm going to be honest. Mm. Yeah, this is a, an Indiana team that I've always kind of been a fan of the Pacers. I, I liked Paul George when he was a younger guy in Indiana, and those were always exciting teams I, to watch. I did but too. I was always is, an Indiana fan too. This is definitely not the squad it was back then, and it is going to be an up-and-down season. I have them penciled in as my 12 seed because I do think that this first year with for Carlisle will be a little difficult. I honestly think that, like, I don't expect Malcolm Brogdon to be on this team by the end of the season, personally. I, th- I don't know who's going to get him, but I do think that he'll end up getting moved somewhere, probably in, like, a 3-4 team trade, just because I think this team is not going to be very good this year. They have a lot of guys that I can say I'm excited to watch, but that's not even their best players. Like, I would like to see what Chris Duarte does this season. I would like to see what O'Shea Brissett does this season because I think he'll get a lot of PT and he looked really good at the end of the year last year for them. But like with the injuries problems that they've had for so many years, yes, they have potential to be good and they have a good starting five, but those guys seem to never play together at this point. And even when they do, it's going to be under a first year head coach, new system. And they've basically had to learn like three systems and never been able to play together during those three. So it's going to be a weird time in Indiana. I wouldn't expect this to be a very good season for them. Yeah. So that's that's why I put them at that 12 seed. Yeah. But I do think that they have play-in potential. I think they have play-in potential. Some people have them as playoff teams. I, some people say that they have one of the best off-seasons in the league. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't, I'm... I don't get it. I'm going to be honest. I don't get it. I don't get I don't get what people are seeing. Did their offseason consist of drafting Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte and signing Tory Craig? And like, signing uh, Rick Carlisle. That's, that's, that's the big push for them. I'm like, their <laughs> players are all injured. Like, all their players are injured. And <laughs> all their players are yeah. injured and their stars don't fit together. And I, I, I don't – I don't like – Yeah. I don't like – not my team. No, I don't want to buy that. I'm not buying that stock until I see what's going on with them. I want to see what they're doing first. Before I make yeah, my, I have, uh, my call on that. I have them in like a, a 32 to 44 win range this year for the Pacers. Yeah. Well, they have their own first round picks. That's good. There you go. Washington is the next mm-hmm. team. And I'm pretty 50-50 on them. Yeah. So the, the first half of their last season with Westbrook was really bad. And then Westbrook started playing really good. And then from the bottom seed in the East to the eighth seed and making the first final play-in spot. Mm. So there's kind of like the the thing of, wow, Westbrook was really bad at the start of the season. He held them back. But then also he was really good and he got them to that playoff spot. Yeah. So it's kind of like a 50-50 there. I'm like, oh, that makes it complicated. And then so you got Spencer Dinwiddie coming in and I really liked them. I followed his rehab and he used really modern techniques that I've heard great things about. So I like mm-hmm. that potential. I like the one to three of Beal, Dinwiddie, KCP. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of talent with three great centers, tons of wings, Raul Nato, Howell Nato is a good backup guard. Aaron Holiday has potential to be a good backup guard or two guard. 
Yeah. But I just don't like that this team is going to be reliant. Like, basically, all Beal, unless Dinwiddie is back at 100%, or someone else takes a big step forward. Mm-hmm. I do think they have personnel that could. You look at Rui Hachimura, you look at Kyle Kuzma, Denny Avdia. Yeah. There are guys that could take that big step forward. And Montrez Harrell mm-hmm. is someone who could wind up doing a lot for this team. Same thing for Thomas Bryant. Yeah, especially with Thomas Bryant hurt at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I forgot to say, Thomas Bryant out at the start of the season could be something. I don't know. I, Beal also has been able to sign an extension for four days now, I believe. And we haven't heard mm-hmm. anything on that front, which is a little scary in my opinion. Maybe there's some smoke there. Maybe I'm. Maybe I have the dates wrong. Maybe there's some smoke there. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this team is an at-large. If this team winds up making the playoffs, maybe even an at-large team, like, a, like the sixth seed. Mm. But I'm expecting them to miss the play-ins. Uh, I've got them at the 12th yeah. seed with the floor of the 14th seed. I just think there's a lot of ways that this could go so bad for them. And I think that them going well still isn't going to be world beaters. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Bradley Beal is going to lead this team to a, at least a lot of competitive basketball games. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be a fun team to watch. They'll be an exciting squad to to keep up with, and they'll be battling throughout. There'll be a lot of teams that are going to ultimately end up getting close, but wins against this Washington Wizards team because I do think that they are going to struggle to to get stops near the end of games. I don't really see any individual great defenders on this team. I mean, KCP is, KCP is getting is there, good. but yeah, but it's just the fact that he's going to literally be tasked with guarding the best player against every single team they play against at this point. Without any that any I think could back him up. Yeah, I think it could struggle a little bit. They don't really have the defensive presence. I mean, Daniel Gafford, I guess, could become a better big at the rim he has yet to but he's still very young in his career so we'll see what happens with him but also worth yeah this is a team had a really good season next to russell westbrook yeah any big that run that runs rims and runs rims and jumps high will have a good season next to russell westbrook (laughs) which is why i'm really excited for him and anthony davis we'll talk about that later Mm -hmm. but that's something to keep an eye on is how good will Gafford look without Anthony Davis and what is this team's defense what is this team's identity if Daniel Gafford can't play can't play on offense he's their only good defensive center like yes I like Thomas Bryant and Harrell as offensive players but I don't (laughs) think you can win basketball without a defensive center yeah, and, and so it'll be interesting, especially when they don't really have defensive fours either, mm-hmm. like Rui, Denny, Davis, whoever they want to end up playing at the four. None of them are really actually any good positive defenders. Mm-hmm. Although I do think Rui could take a big step this year. He's someone that if this Wizards team is going to hit, it is going to because I think he'll take a big jump. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what Corey Kisper can do this year. Yep. But ultimately, I do have them penciled in as the 11 seed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they, like, they definitely could make the play-ins. I don't really see them as an at-large team, but ultimately I think they do fall a little bit short yeah. of the play-ins this season. I think they're a team. I think they can make the play-ins, especially if someone, I, I think they're one of those teams that's going to make the play-in if someone else falls. Like if, yeah. if someone falls off, I think that the Wizards are going to be a team that will make the play-in, but I think they're sitting there and they're like, we need someone to fall off or disappoint. Yeah, that is why I have them at 11. It's like if someone gets yeah. serious injuries to their stars and ends up having a bad season or just calls it quits and starts trading everyone away, mm-hmm. Wizards are probably that next team in for me, but mm-hmm. if not, they are on the outside looking in. Yeah, Indiana and Washington at 11-12 was such a toss-up for me. Uh, yeah. Next team, I have uh, new tier. These are not not bottom feeders. They're they're upstart teams that are still trying to make the top. They're, that might they're mm-hmm. still going to be trying to make the play-ins, but realistically, it will be a very uphill battle for them. Detroit is a team that I think actually has the potential to make the play-in game. 
mm-hmm. their entire team's built hopes are built around Kate Cunningham, who's out for a couple of weeks now. Uh, however good he is this season is how good this team will be. I like that they got Olenek. Yep. I think he's a good fit with them. Beef Stew, so awesome. Killian Hayes mm-hmm. had a really bad season, but he has a healthy offseason, which is honestly bigger than, which is honestly really big. Like, yeah. what, like 20 games? The last like 13 games or whatever. He'll get some time. He'll get a whole healthy offseason and come back, improve. I think mm-hmm. that they've got the potential to be really good, but short of Cade walking in and being a monster this team is not going to be doing too much crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I will Which say I do like Sorry. a lot of their, yeah, I do like a lot of their pieces. I mean, Jeremy Grant's still at the helm and then you have guys like Sadiq Bay and beef stew, young guys, Killian Hayes. You mentioned the, the obviously longer off season to recovery. I also think uh, as a young guy coming over from Europe, having that extra time to just watch the NBA game more and hopefully study just an absurd amount of film. Uh, is what I would hope he actually did during his time off can take him into a a different level this season. You got guys like Josh Jackson, Hami Diallo who still want to prove themselves in this league, but yeah, this is the Detroit Pistons fans and team. I hope don't have any misconceptions about what they're doing this year. I do think ultimately they could finish as high as a nine, 10 seed. If Cade really snaps and and this team is clicking because they do have a lot of pieces that can work well together, but I have them penciled in as like a 14 this season. I don't think that they'll be that fantastic. Although I do think Kate will be fun to watch. I just don't think that he'll necessarily fit that great with this Pistons team. There's still some pieces that they're going to move around to build around him in the next few years. Yeah, definitely. And there's not, look, there's nothing wrong with this team taking another year. I don't think that teams should rush into being winning teams early. I think you should take your time, build your talent and Mm -hmm. progressively get better. I think that if you try to jump the shark, you're going to wind up hurting yourself. Uh, especially when LeBron and KD are still in the league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is not the season to go crazy. Uh, next team, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a really weird team. They have a massive yep. front court with Evan Mobley, Laurie Markin, and Jared Allen, all being near seven footers with long arms. Well, she'll leave Taco off that list. But none of them are good rebounders. Taco's not an exhibit nine. He might not make the roster. That's fair. None of those guys can are good rebounders like on the defensive side at all. But... <laughs> They're, none of them are particularly strong on the offensive side either. I mean, I think Allen's good on the offensive side, but not... They're yeah. weak on the defensive side, so I think that Kevin Love would actually be helpful for winning games, but it looks like they won't play him. Mm. Evan Mobley struggled immensely in summer league playing next to a real center. And look, the defensive <laughs> potential is there, but his actual ability to, ability to defend right now is in question. He's just not big enough. Yeah. He's not fast enough on the perimeter. His positioning is good, but he's just not strong enough yet strong and quick enough yet mm-hmm. the backcourt with Sexton and garland i liked them a lot but their net rating was negative 8.1 in over a thousand minutes yikes let's not read too much into that though because net it rating is, is always bad on, net rating is always bad on losing teams <laughs> yeah. you want to hear something ridiculous amongst two man lineups on the Cavs, the only duos mm-hmm. with more than 200 minutes played together and a positive net rating which by the way if you want to extrapolate that to a 72 game season it's about three minutes a game <laughs> looking at guys who played about on average about three minutes a game over the season the only two men units that were that uh that had positive net ratings were andre drummond and damian dotson with the 3.6 net rating in 219 minutes Yikes. only 18 games played and darius mm-hmm. garland and larry nance jr with 0.4 net rating in just under 600 minutes they played 26 games together 
So just say, look, the net rating's bad, but let's not read too much into it. I think the Sexton and Garland, they they were winning the the most at the start of the season when it was Sexton and Garland starting, playing most of their time mm-hmm. together. JB Bickerstaff started staggering them a bit more because the, the bench started to fall apart. And I think that was kind of where their season started to fall apart. Hopefully having Rubio provide that steadying presence to the bench so that they can rely more on Sexton and Garland starters. Yep. I think there's potential for this team to boom if literally everything goes right. <laughs> but I think that this is a team that's probably not going to be pulling into that play-in. They're going to be getting another top draft pick. And I think there are plenty of guys who are projected top picks that would fit well with Evan Mobley, Darius Garland. Maybe Isaac Okoro can show a little more this season. I think he really needs to. I I I'm a, I liked what Isaac I like the idea of Isaac Okoro, but I think he needs to show more, and I think this season will give him that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got them as fourteen, and maybe peaking at like ten. Yeah, I have them at four. Uh, I actually have them at thirteen right now, but they're the one and only team that I put as a ceiling of not making the plans. I think the highest they go is eleven, just because I do think that it's some serious glaring issues that you pointed out in their front court mm-hmm. with their guard play. Obviously, is not the biggest guys not the greatest defenders and then their depth off the bench is just very questionable i'm excited to see uh the canadian flamethrower and kevin pangos because <laughs> finally they have a shooter um but no i think this team is going to be uh not the greatest team to watch this year i saw denzel valentine's talking some stuff about how he still wants to prove himself in the league you know uh, he's had 30 point games he believes that he can do his stuff and say I love to hear it, but let's let's go do something first. Yeah. Okay. You're on the Cleveland Cavaliers. You'll have a shot. Like you'll have a real opportunity at playing time to go do it. But this is a team that I wouldn't be too excited for this season. But I do think that they are properly building towards the future if they continue on the path that they're on. Mm-hmm. Cause I think they have a lot of good young guys that kind of fit well together, but there is going to be a, a point where they're going to have to decide to turn those young pieces into winning pieces. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when that is for this Cavs team, but it's not this year. Yeah. I think they just need to keep developing. Um, Orlando, mm-hmm. the last team, last team in the East. And I'll say the best for last. I'll say it again. Like I said, in their deep dive, they have the talent to be a playoff team. Yeah. Like even without Fultz and Isaacs, I think they have enough talent to make the play-ins. I just don't mm-hmm. imagine they're going to go really hard and try for that. I, I love their young backcourts with uh, Suggs, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton. I'm really interested in the fit of Okiki and Franz Wagner. Wendell Carter was really good in Orlando. Mo Bamba is going to be playing for a contract, which sometimes really helps players. That's a lot of young talent. that will be aided by the veteran presences of Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, Robin Lopez, Mo Wagner, Michael Carter-Williams. And then there's still John Isaacs and Markel Fultz, who are both amazing when they're playing. By the way, I think I just read off their entire roster, essentially. Uh, yeah, except I mean, for each one more. not going to give Etwan more the love. Except for Etwan <laughs> more. Sorry, baby. Love you, Etwan. Um, I just don't think this team is going to make an effort to make... I don't think this team is going to make a concerted effort to win games. and they're going to make a concerted effort to play their young players. Yeah. Uh, I think that... Like, hear me out. I love the idea of a closing lineup of Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, RJ Hampton, Mo Va- Franz Wagner, and Chume Okiki. It is eventually <laughs> absolutely devastating, but that team also has a combined three years of NBA experience. Two of those guys only got minutes after the trade deadline, so you're looking at, like, really two years. Okay, mm-hmm. he's also the oldest guy in that lineup at 22 years old. And even if you want to switch in Wendell Carter for that, Wendell Carter is also 22 years old. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. the, the lineups that they're going to be running the most are really young, not a lot of experience, mm-hmm. and young lineups were prone to making mistakes. So... I think there's a lot of ways the team is going to like lose games, but I think that they have a lot of talent that could be winning games for them. 
Yeah, like I, I will agree absolutely. I think this is a super talented roster. I think they have a lot of room for growth and development, but that is what they should be focused on this season is growth and development mm. and to try to unlock a lot of these young guys and see, okay, like who's really going to hit and be the leader or potential franchise player for our squad. Mm. Who's going to be just a bucket getter for us, but nothing more. Mm. Who's going to be our best bench guy. And who's going to be not on this team next season. Yeah. I think that's what they want to work with. Jamal Mosley's got a four-year contract to try to figure it out. So I don't think that they'll be trying to win immediately under the new head coach. And I, I'm very excited to see a lot of these guys. I mean, you read through the whole roster, so I'll, I'll save the folks some trouble and not read through all the names again. But uh, I'll say that Jalen Suggs is obviously someone I'm super excited to see. And I think just the way that he fits on the NBA floor kind of everywhere at all times is is going to be really interesting to watch. I want to see how well he transitions his game into the NBA. They were so fun Obviously, the rookies are the... They were so fun in preseason yesterday. Yeah, like I think this will be a very fun team to watch until the fourth quarter if you're an Orlando Magic fan because that, that is when your team is going to lose. But other than that, it's going to be an exciting game and they'll have some highlight plays. They'll have some Cole Anthony game winners, hopefully, and some good press conferences. Yep. No. And I have a pencil lit at the 15 seed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I have them peaking at maybe 14. I, I just don't think that they're going to try that hard to win games. And there's nothing wrong. Yeah. I, I Considering their two best players are both missing the start of the season and might miss the entire season. We haven't heard many updates mm-hmm. on either of them. Yeah. Uh, when you're missing your two best players, you tank. That's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. We said it last year. We're saying it again this year. You're missing your two best players. You should be tanking. Take it easy. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. Get some get some new pieces. Reload the talent. Figure get out some which picks for Terrence Ross keeping. and Gary Harris. What'd you say? <laughs> get some picks for Terrence Ross and Gary Harris. Yep. I don't know if they, well yeah I'm not gonna drive into the trades this is our full mm-hmm. Eastern Conference predictions uh I'm gonna give you my one to 15 really quick uh I got Nets one Celtics two Bucks three Hawks four Heat five 76 or six then in the play-ins I've got Chicago seven Toronto eight New York nine Charlotte 10 and then out of that I got Indiana 11 Washington 12 Detroit 13 Cleveland 14 Orlando 15 Chad do you want to read yours again quickly before we shut it down yeah, I'll go through it just to end us off. I got the Hawks at one, Nets at two, Celtics at three, Bucks at four, Sixers five, Heat six, Knicks at seven, Bulls at eight, Raptors at nine, Hornets at 10. And then outside of the play in playoffs, we got the Wizards at 11, Pacers at 12, Cavs at 13, Pistons at 14, and the Orlando Magic rounded it out at that 15 seed. Awesome. This has been the Ball Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram at Ball Talk Official. If you were listening to this on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, please like, comment, rate, subscribe, review, five stars, everything you can do. It helps us. It's free to you. helps us a lot. Uh, thank you so much, and thank you for tuning in to Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby. Baby, baby.